I don't like it because we're not seeing anything else out Where there. Where is it? It's like literally a graveyard. It should be Star Wars. It should be the canteen. <laughs> it should be Tatooine. It should be Moss Eisley Cantina. It should be Tatooine. We should be in Tatooine right now. <laughs> you are listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. everyone welcome to the dude nature podcast we are here as always in the reactor I'm here with my brother adam hello what is up hola welcome back home welcome to the reactor guys ah good to be back okay guys two five star reviews one written from goyim shana who we know and love and he says in quotes guys i love the pod so much and especially stressful time in my life with rona graduate school and the new baby it is nice to start my mornings laughing and hearing you guys bicker like it's 2008. We love you, Goyam Shana. We, we love you, dude. You are. Thank you for the review. We wish we could see you. Wish you well. Wish you and the new baby well. You're the man. No, it's your grape. My grape is uh, dog ownership in general. And this is this is actually, this just happened to me this morning. I went to the Honda dealership. Okay. There was this couple with this dog that was like, looked so scared. First of all, if your dog is scared in public places, don't bring him to the car dealership, right? Don't bring him around. And you could just tell by the face of this dog that it's just like so scared. This woman like comes up. She comes up to the to the couple with the dog and is like, oh, I want to get a picture with your dog. And I was like, this is going to go really fu- This is going to go really bad. It's about to go really bad. And she like, she is, and the couple's like, uh, and so she walks closer to like take a picture and the dog starts just like trying to attack her. And then she is she acts all surprised because the dog is freaked. I saw this interaction. I saw this interaction literally from a mile away. Oh, uh, li- a literal mile away with the no, telescope. No, I just saw it like I just saw it completely happening. It's like first, first of all, if the dog looks scared, don't go up to it and take yeah. a picture. And second of all, if your dog doesn't like public places, don't bring him to the car dealership. Right, so two gripes and one. Two gripes and one. Your gripe. One, yeah. One gripe: don't bring the dog around to the dealership. Scared. <laughs> two, don't approach scared dog. I mean, literally, the dog looks terrified, and someone's approaching it, trying to take a photo of it. My gripe. Look, I know we've hit on this before, but why can't we just figure out how to take the munchies out of the weed? It's okay, so we figured annoying. out how to distill it down to a distillate, to an oil, or to a kind of um, paste. Basically, is what it yep. is when you take a dab. If we can figure that out, can we get someone, some chemist that's really smart, on the scene to figure out how to take? The munchies out of weed, please God, because I would buy that strain every fucking time. I'm I sure. We, God. I'm sure that this can be Wait, done. That would make so no, much ho- money. People have to be well, researching. Here's the thing. It. I'm sure that this can be done, but I don't think I don't think people think that there is a big commercial appeal for it. For it, um, for whatever reason, when I was researching last night, Durban poison has much less of the munchy chemical. So if you don't want to have munchies, maybe smoke some Durban. Also, avoid the edibles, and we know this from personal experience. Edibles are the absolute worst with the munchies. The thing the with absolute the munchies worst. is that I can't seem to I'm I can't seem to control myself. I think no, I have good self control no. for a human. I can't control myself. Oh at no, all. no, no, I not at all. I like, can't do it. I like I'm so it, hungry. It, like, I'm like it's so, it's like an automated machine just eating. Hey, it's time for the game. Let's do it. It's game time. It's game time. Noah. Yeah. You take the blue pill. The story ends. Morpheus. You wake up in your bed and you believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. 
and I show you how deep the rabbit hole. You can goes. ask me what pill I would take. Please ask me that. Is First that what of you all, asked me? I started off trying to do the Morpheus voice, and then thought that there's no way I could. It do was it. pretty good. You take the blue pill. The story ends. I was into your Morpheus voice. Um, which pill do you take? Oh yes. Um, to be honest with you, yeah. Just please be honest with me. Later, later, Cypher in, in that series, Cypher is asked if he he would basically take the blue pill, but he's rich. Like he gets he's, to be rich. He's the foil for the for yeah. this. Well, all right, let me just answer. What what pill would I take? At that point, I think I would take. I would want to see the truth. To be honest, that you know that there is some truth out I there. I know there's some fucking shit. I want to see the truth. How could you not want to see the truth? How could you not want to see the truth? With that question. If, if the request was presented to me, you could take the blue pill and you'll be like super famous and have, t- or not famous, but have a ton of money. They're like, it was like, you could have a ton of money and be the richest person in the world. I'd be like, okay, I'll take the blue. So you'd rather a life of suffering taking uh, the blue pill. Well, I wouldn't know that. I would just be rich. I would not be suffering Sorry, in my life. Taking the red pill, a life of suffering. When you, when you see the real world, like in the matrix, when he sees the state of reality, basically life of suffering or a life of pleasure with a blue pill. He comes back as like a famous person, but Cypher. ignorance. But ignorance, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be completely honest. I would take the blue pill and have a ton of money. Blue, blue pill and pleasure. But but for for the direct time that you're asking, it, he would just Neo would have gone back to his regular life, and yeah. therefore I would have taken the red pill. Right. You'd like to think you would take the red pill, but maybe we've been presented with this choice, okay? And we've already made the decision. Okay, I like it. Okay, think about that. Maybe some of us have made have made the decision already, and they're actually walking around the world. Like as non-player computer characters in a simulation. Like they're like they're basically like they don't have souls or consciousness. Because they've taken the blue pill? Because they Right. Because they've taken the blue pill. Exactly. Because they lost all their agency when they did that. Like, for example, how do you know that me right here, yes. I have a consciousness? Why why am I just not like a robotic simulation? You might be the only one. I don't know. I think about I this, might have been taken and presented about, with this choice. I think about this all the time. Yeah. It's a horrible thing to think. It's got really bong rippy. It's going to get even more. <laughs> it's going to get real bong rippy as we get into our topic today. So Noah. Good game, by the way. I like that. Yeah. What's our topic? Love it. Our topic today is the question. It is honestly one of the questions. Are we living in a simulation? Yes or no? Okay. So we're going to go over. First of all, is it possible to even simulate consciousness? Like, what's the computer power necessary? Can you even do it? Will talk technology keep going in an exponential rate that it has up to this point? Do advanced civilizations destroy themselves? Do super advanced civilizations even want to run simulations? If there are simulations, why you're probably inside one, what do famous people say? And then we're going to go to open kimono. There's yeah. a lot of sections. Get all that? Because that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, there's a lot of sections. So go ahead and... Pack the bowl, get that lighter out, <laughs> and just take, get a, rip ready to with take us a big old rip as we go down a Let, massive hole during this episode. Adam, it's gonna be a fun hole. It's yeah. gonna be a fun hole. I hope it's a fun. Honestly, researching this, I'm kind of in a dark. I'm in a little bit of a dark place after researching this. Really, I think I'm in a better place. Yeah, I'm gonna get to my theme and I'm gonna tell you. I think I'm in a better place. Okay, hey, things yeah. that don't suck. You ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. The simulation hypothesis or the simulation theory is the proposal. That all of reality, including the Earth and the rest of the universe as you know it, could in fact be an artificial simulation. The theory was first popularized by, it wasn't first popularized, but it was kind of brought into the light. Why it's being talked about so much. 
from Swedish philosopher Nick Bostrom, who lays out a statistical method of confirming if we are, in fact, computer programs. So he proposes a trilemma, not a dilemma, a trilemma, that one of these three possibilities must be true. And the three possibilities are, number one, that advanced societies don't reach a stage capable of running simulations. Or two, advanced civs don't want to run simulations about their ancestors. Or three, we are in a simulation. So one of those three have to be true. So which one is it? And that is what we will explore in this episode. Noah, what is our theme? I love it. Guys, our theme for this episode is simply, are we effed? <laughs> Shit. Are what? we totally effed? Well, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm glad that you said that you got to a good place. I'm hoping that, that you can take me out of, because the conclusion I got to from doing the research is that one of two things is basically happening yeah. and both are not good. So what is the theme? The theme is, are we effed? Are we in a simulation or are we effed? Just are, yeah, so are we effed in general? Because if we're not in a simulation, then that posits that this other thing is probably happening and the other thing is not good. The, w- the ending of humanity? Well, as we I, know it. that's why I'm hoping that you can talk me out of it because through all the, like using just logic, using all the logic and stuff of where we are now, I think we can clearly, I, I personally believe that it's one of the two things and they suck. I'm going br- to bring the listener there, unfortunately. And hopefully you or someone can write us and just talk me out of it. I think we I don't know. we don't need to go to the sad place. No, I'm don't not, I'm not in the sad, sad place. place. I'm just telling you, you can look at you can look at what's going on. You can look at some things that are going on, and you can conjecture that we are that it's one of two things that are happening, and both aren't great. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna okay, raise it on that. Like we said, get your bong. It is possible to simulate consciousness, Noah. Is it possible? Okay. So, what we're gonna talk about in this section. Okay, is that we're going to talk about the computing power necessary to actually simulate one second of a person. So let's say that a bunch of big super beings out there, okay, they have a simulation. Okay, one of the things that they would need to do is they would need to make us, right, conscious people. Assuming that you yourself know that you're you're conscious, if you were a computer, how much computing power would it need to make you, essentially, right? So... The difference between, like, consciousness and, like, a robot is basically, like, you can play a video game, right? But the character you're playing doesn't actually feel anything. Your Call of Duty avatar doesn't get scared when he goes into combat. How do you know? Exactly. (laughs) Maybe, you know. Maybe he fucking does. You know, know, we're vegetarian now because animals have a consciousness, we believe. Well, I don't, those bits, zeros and ones have a consciousness. Maybe they do. Exactly, and honestly, anyway. when when aliens are running the simulations of us, that's probably what what they think. They don't have a consciousness. Like sav- they're just, savages. There's little. There's little savages. Savages ki- killing their guy in Red Dead Redemption every fucking two seconds. Hey, so this these facts come from Andrew Sandberg and Nick Bostrom, as Adam already mentioned, known as the Godfather of the simulation theory. Okay, in 2008, let's talk about computing power. This is for one second. Of, t- of like of your brain. So what we're going to do is we're going to take all the neurons in your brain and we're going to try and put it into a computer. It would take 10 to the 18 flops. Flops stands for floating point operations per second. It's a way to measure operating speed per second in like huge numbers. 10 to the 18 is also known as, um, do you know this? There's no way you know this. It's also known as a quintillion. Uh-huh. Okay. Take your word for it. Which is a ton, which is a, which is a lot. Crazy enough, this is called an exascale computer, and the U.S. Department of Energy is actually coming out with this kind of computer at the end of 2021. No, do you mean you mean quantum computers? Nope, exascale computer. No, we don't have quantum computers yet. How could we get there? 
They're coming out with an... This is before Quantum, I think. No. Yep. The U.S. Department of Energy is coming out with Exascale Computer at the end of 2021. According to, the, to a recent press how, release. How many calculations can it do per second? 10 to the 18. Which is a quintillion? Yes. How many can we do now? Um, supposedly, this computer is five times more powerful than, their most, than the U.S. Department of Energy's most powerful computer. Okay. Who's developing it? That's a good question. Uh, in- Intel and them. And so, them so being they're the contracting, they're contracting Intel to do it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, how much do you think this computer costs right now? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't know. Does it cost a million dollars? Costs five hundred million dollars. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, so that's just the processing power. Okay. So to do one second, it is crazy though that in twenty twenty one we're actually going to be able to do one second of consciousness. We're going to have a computer that can do it. Well, as I will get to in my later section, a lot of technologies are promised, but don't come out. Okay. So let's talk about, so that's the processing power. We're at $500 million to do one second. Ignored. Let's Ignored talk. by you. No, that's cool. That's mm. cool. I just want to make sure I, I make sure I ram this home. Yeah, I fucking love it. Ram it. Okay. Let's talk about memory. Okay. How, how many, how many, how much memory do you think it would take to, to do, to, to capture one second of your consciousness? How much, how much RAM? Basically. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Again, this is these calculations are from Nick Bostrom, the godfather of simulation, not from me. Right. So this is the cool thing about his simulation is he broke it down into a mathematical Yeah, model. which is awesome. So yell at him if you don't agree with this. So how how much memory would it take to store a second of my consciousness? One sec, like the RAM, basically. The random access memory. Um, wh- I mean, my consciousness. A terabyte? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Okay. Like 100 right, terabytes? That, that's fine. 10,000 terabytes, actually, Adam. I said 100. That was, you said, that was you said magnitude. a little short of 10,000. Magnitude okay, away. So, so, so you would need, again, I'm going to go, for the processing power, you would need a quintillion per second, 10 to the 18. That kind of computer, now, right now, costs $500 million. Okay? Mm-hmm. Your memory, you would need 10,000 terabytes of memory. So, a mem- like a terabyte of memory, you can get those external hard drives. They're 50 bucks. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, 10,000 of those would be $500,000 a second. So your initial cost, your initial cost would be five hundred million for the processing power, then five hundred thousand dollars for every second, for each being, and yeah. that and that would be basically the cost of consciousness right now. Is five hundred thousand dollars per second? Five hundred million up front for the processing power. Right. Then five hundred thousand dollars for each second because of the memory. Okay. Of uh, each second of each person. Yes. Oh. Okay. Wow, okay. But it keeps going. Okay. So remember that. That is just to make basically the dead computer or to make basically the robot. Okay. We also, we also need what, you know, the magic, the other thing in the system that makes it conscious. Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously we could do an episode in itself of this, but what is this magic? So the, this doctor thinks that he knows it's called the integrated theory of consciousness and it's pr- proposed by neuroscience, Dr. Giulio Tononi in 2004. Julio? Who? No, G- is with that a G. A possible Julio. No, nice try with a G. Oh, yeah. Wow. Giulio. He's like he seems like either Austrian or German. When or I Argentine. Let me just let me just let me just explain this to you. Sure. Real fast. Okay. Did I watch an hour long him giving a lecture? Yes, I did. How was it? I. How was it? How do you think? How do you think I? How much do you think I learned from it? I don't think that you got anything. Out I of didn't it. get anything from it. Then I did about then I did about two hours more of reading on the integrated theory of consciousness. Let me, let me explain. PhD level people, they cannot really understand this theory. Although it is one of the leading theories of what makes like the dead robot essentially a conscious robot. What is the dead robot? 
theory. Can we back up a little bit? Okay. Yeah. So, so you're okay. Let's say you have a Roomba vacuum. Okay. It, it runs around. It does its thing. Yeah. Right. It does its thing. It knows what to do, but that doesn't mean that it <coughs> intrinsically feels. Uh huh. Okay. So in, in other words, we can make a robot. We can make it have all the software to be like a, to, to you to be able to interact with it. Uh huh. But that doesn't mean that it actually feels something. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting okay. to like the kernel of consciousness. Right. So to, so basically it's an unbelievably hard theory to understand, but here's what I got. Sure. Yeah. Okay. There are two, there are two laws of it. Basically. Number one, conscious states for you are highly differentiated. So what that means is if you drink water, it's different for you than a hot coffee. Okay. Watching a soccer game is different for you than doing math homework. I can validate that. Those are I now, that now those go into your memory as different experiences. Okay. Okay. Number two, this information is highly integrated. Okay. So think about your computer. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's say that you have like a couple hundred pictures on your computer. Yeah. That doesn't mean that your computer can, can know that one of those pictures is of your dog. One's of your ex-girlfriend. One's of, you know, you going on, on a trip with your family. Mm -hmm. it, it can't make relations between those experiences. Your computer can't do that. Mm -hmm. Only you can do that. Uh-huh. Okay. So he's saying that basically this integration of information, that's what makes consciousness. All right. And they've actually boiled it down in this theory. They've boiled it down to a mathematical equation where you, where that spits out a number called phi, F-I, not to be confused with pi. Okay. And okay, again, phi. PhD level people, they go to a, they go to like a two day seminar with one-on-one -on -one instruction with the dude and they still don't get it. Okay. So does the dude get it? The dude, the dude gets it and other people that get it say that it's pretty good that we're getting there. Okay. Okay. So basically if, if you have a high phi, Mm -hmm. Score means you have a high level of consciousness. A low fi means you have low consciousness. Right. So, we, so they boiled it down to one variable. Yes. They're still working on this theory. Why do they call it phi? No idea. And not just like nope. consciousness. No level. idea. Because it's phi. Phi 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 fum. Because it would be because they want to make it as hard to understand as, as possible. So, okay. that, so yeah. someone thinks that we've boiled it, been able to boil it down to an equation. So the reason I bring all this up, let me just tell you why I bring this up. Yeah. We, we just talked. We talked about the processing power and the memory needed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then there's this too. Whatever the hell computing power we would need to do this, mm -hmm. we, we can't even estimate it because we don't even know what it is. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, we have the processing power. We have the memory, which just costs a lot. We don't really know what the other thing is. Oh, the intangible thing that makes consciousness. Exactly. The intangible thing that makes consci consciousness, the integrated information. Right. Okay. Okay. So Adam. Yeah. Now tell us. Will technological progress stop before we're able to get to these computers or will we keep going up exponentially? Right. So just to reiterate what Noah was saying, we need these assumptions that we're talking about. Like, is it possible to simulate consciousness, technological progress that will not stop anytime soon? They all need to be true in order to, to achieve the goal of us being in a simulation. Right. Not a goal, but the reality to become truth. That we're living in a simulation. Right. Like, can we pass all these tests? So is that is that first one true? No. Is it is it possible to simulate consciousness? So I mean, like, I yes, I I I believe yes, because the computer, like, we literally already have it. We literally already have the computer, as expensive as it is. We have the memory as crazy expensive and not able to do as it is. Five hundred thousand dollars a second for each being, right? The second thing, the integrated theory of consciousness, no, we don't know. 
We can't even like the theory of it. We haven't even finished it, it so seems, we're way it off. It seems there. way more theoretical to me now, but it doesn't mean I it's mean, not. It pos- it's not possible. No, but we're you know we're getting there. Maybe we are getting there. So I think that I think that in the future, yes, we will be able to do it. Okay, so technological progress will not stop anytime soon is the second one, and when you think about this one, it's easy to think about you know all the progress that's been made, and of course it won't stop because you know that's what societies do, right? We progress. We evolve, we progress, we get better at things, things get easier, our lives get simpler because of the technology around us. But wait, okay, there's a couple catches here. I can make a pretty good argument that the technological progress might actually stop in the future. Really? Yeah. So the first thing is... Good. Then we're not in simulation, baby. We're good. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about if that matters or not, really, at the end. Uh, The universe has finite possibilities, Noah. Okay. What does that mean? We are stuck... In this universe, with the laws of physics, right? Those are our rules. And with the particles that we have and the material that we have to work with. And although the universe is extremely wide and complex, as hopefully you've gotten from listening to this podcast, we will eventually like max out stuff to do at some point. How, why? How? Because isn't, isn't Murphy's law that we, we double computing power every what? Let me, let, me ask, let me ask you another question. Okay. Let me, must ask your question with another question. Okay, must ask. Um, do you, why do you get bored of video games? Good question. Um, I get bored of video games because either I've beaten the challenge of the video game and it's like not hard anymore, or because I'm just fucking bored. Why are you bored? I'm not entertained by the video game. It doesn't excite me anymore because it's not real. Okay, it's not real. I I was I looking need more. For the answer I was looking for is that you run out of stuff to do. That's yeah. novel, basically. The video game doesn't give me that novel feeling. It, oh, oh can, I, can, I, can I expand on that? Go ahead. Okay. When I play a fighter game, I'm in a dark video game plays, by the way. Now, I can't find a video game that I like. When I play like a fighter video game, I play the new Jedi Fallen Order game. I've played fighting games before. It's the fucking same. It's not a novel experience to me at all. Right, because you run out I, of unique things to I do. I played the new FIFA. It's so, just a ba- it's just another version of last year. I'm bored. Just like you run out of things to do in that video game, okay. you will eventually run out of things to do in this universe. Okay, we might have a Dyson sphere around the sun. We might be able to harness all of its computing power into a giant mega computer. Okay, you know cool. the size of Saul. I think you're gonna break my dark place by this, but keep going. The size of Saul. Yeah. But at some point, we're just not gonna be able to do any more stuff because the rules are what they are. We can't travel faster than light speed right now, even though I guess maybe someday that might be broken. But that seems to be an irrefutable law of the universe. Nothing travels faster than light speed. There are rules to our game, just like there are rules to your game, like the, the Jedi game you're talking about. Okay, so what level can we get to? Well, we can get to a pretty fucking extreme level. But I'm just saying that at some point, we are going to run out of the novel, the novel things to do. So you're saying there's a finite amount of computing power in the universe? Yeah. I no. mean, but is there? Because if can, can you explain the Dyson Sphere computer? Um, the Dyson Sphere is basically just harnessing the sun's energy super efficiently. Okay. Can you explain like the progress of computing computing power over time? No. Like the computers that we're going to get to? No, I can't. I can't explain that. I really don't have that much on this point, except for that the universe is just finite with the particles that we have. Okay, but what if I what if I harness the energy from the sun from like from like half the stars in the universe? Couldn't I then have basically unlimited computing power? No, it's not unlimited. It's still limited. Barely. Is it limited or unlimited? It's basically the universe keeps expanding. It might be unlimited. So, I mean, it, yeah, but it's still limited to what the where the expansion stops. I mean, there's a limit to what you can okay, do uh, in the universe. Okay, I understand. I understand that. 
Look, like when you when you jump, right? Do you fly? No, you don't fly because there's gravity. Gravity is a rule of our planet right now. Okay. So there's still rules we have to follow. It's not like it's like kid picks and you can just draw a penis or like whatever you want. We we're not gods. We can't do whatever we want. All right, but let me let me ask this because I don't need I don't need inf- don't draw a penis, kid picks. I, I don't need infinite computing power to make um to make you know millions of of, of simulations. I just need a lot of it. So I think I can get to that a lot of it point. Yeah, you might be able to. But what I'm saying is that there is there is rules and there there is a cap on what we can do in this universe. Okay, but but I think that I, what I'm saying is that I think that the, we still pass this law because I'm still able to get enough computing power from the from from the known universe, from the finite universe. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, moving on to the second one. You okay. seem confused. I just got to keep going. I I don't have too much more stuff to say about that. I mean, you might be right. I I would just say that like the well, like yeah, with the, with the sun's energy, if I can harness that and put it into a computer, I'm gonna have enough to make my simulations. That's all I'm saying. It passes the test. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Why? Okay, because all of these calculations are highly speculative, and we're terrible at predicting anything. We do suck, and we know absolutely nothing about this stuff. It's all science fiction. So to pretend like we know how much computing power it's gonna take to wrap around the sun is just absurd to me. But don't can't we look so like what you well Elon Elon Musk says basically like in his in his quote it's like famous Yeah, I know quote. I know the quote. I'm familiar with it. Where he's just like there's a one billion chance I know, that just, we're not I'm, a base I'm just, reality. I'm just, I'm just I'm just telling the audience. Yeah. The the quote is is basically like we we you know, twenty years ago we were playing video games with like a stick it was like a stick hitting a ball. Right. And now video games are thousands of people playing Call of Duty. No, sorry, hundred people playing Call of Duty at the same time in a huge map. Okay, well, I I agree with what you're saying, and okay. I am going to get to that point that technology is actually slowing down and not speeding up. Okay, interesting. Okay, so, but before we get to that, before we get to that, the second point is if everyone is living, this is kind of a catch twenty two. If everyone's living in a VR world, what motive do we have to do to do anything? This is kind of this is Professor Adam. This is Professor Me yeah. with this one. I was just thinking about it today. Like in popular culture, right? The Matrix or Ready Player One. They detail a virtual world where anything of meaning is done in the virtual world. Okay. So is that even a thing that's going to happen in regular life? Have you ever heard of a game called Second Life? Maybe you've heard of it, but you don't really know what I it think is. They, I think they played it on The Office. Jim plays it on The Office, yeah, right? Yeah, I think yeah. they do. Yeah, I think that's, that was it. Um, Second Life users, also called residents, create virtual representations of themselves. They're called avatars, obviously, and are able to interact with places, objects, and other avatars. So they can explore the world, which is known as the grid, meet other residents, socialize, participate in both individual and group activities, like building, creating, shopping, trading virtual property, and stuff like that. So it's so detailed that there is a a very famous disability-themed nightclub called Wheelies. And I went there yesterday, but not through Second Life, through the images google images <laughs> sick looking nightclub um so anyway what i'm trying to the point i'm trying to make is that if we're so happy in our like not very advanced virtual reality already like yeah. ready player one or something and ev- everyone just like plugs into their cerebral cortex like ma- the matrix where you just plug in yeah, and you yeah. go into the virtual reality maybe like technology just stops innovating there maybe we never get to the super advanced simulations that can that can simulate consciousness Maybe we just like, oh, we're, we're, we basically get to jack into paradise every day. And we're like, yeah, fuck it. It's good enough. 
Okay. And we stop inventing. Because if everyone's in this kind of paradise, no one's going to be creating anything. Okay. I don't agree. I'd, I'd, I'd like to go. I like your point. <laughs> go ahead. I, I like your point. Okay. I see your point. If we're super happy, if we're content, contention, being content does not develop progress. Right? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. So I would say that although you might be content, like a happy idiot. Although, although you might be a happy idiot and, and content, that doesn't mean that there's a group of people out there that realize that they can make a ton of money by making you even more content. Right? And, that, and that's how progress works. There's a group of people that are like, we're going to make this even better and we're going to make money off of it. And so I don't think that it stops that way. I don't agree with that's how the way progress works. That's, and I will right. go it's on. It's not, not the way progress works. It's one of the ways. I'll go on to explain that the people in power, right? Right now, big companies, governments, they want to stay in power. So what do they do? They are very resistant to change. They okay. like the status quo. So if everyone is jacking into Second Life or the Matrix or Ready Player One and they're happy in there and there's one person, one company at the top making money, nothing's going to change. People are going to be happy idiots, right? Like Wally living in their chairs, super fat, jacking in, and the company is going to be making money and staying in power. So that's just an argument that maybe we could just be stuck there. Okay. For I many see, years. I see, I see what you mean. Okay. Let me, let, me, let me reiterate back to you just to make sure I understand. Go ahead. I like it because now I'm liking it more. Okay. So, so what you're basically saying is that we're going to get to a point technologically that if we're in a simulation and everyone's just fucking happy and there's one huge company, none, none, shit's not, shit's not going to change. Shit's not going to change. And it's happened before. Okay. It's happened before where we've stopped technologically progressing because the people were happy. Tell me. I will. I, um, I will. Okay. <laughs> I will. Give it to me. All right. So the evidence that progress has been slowing in the last 50 years, like I was saying, like when Elon Musk says we've gone from Pong to like 3D models right. and, and shit and VR. Okay. Actually, progress has been slowing already. And the first bit of evidence for this, this is a long, this is going to be a long pod. Okay. So I just want you to stretch it out a little bit. Stretch it out. Okay. The first evidence is the consolidation of industry. Okay. Which you are familiar with. I'm sure. Okay. Companies don't need to innovate anymore to stay ahead of the competition like they used to. And my microphone is absolutely hitting me in the face. All right. So what they do now is they just eat the competition up. As an example. And buy it. Facebook bought Instagram, WhatsApp, and Oculus virtual reality. Right. In the last couple of years. What might these companies have been had they not been swallowed up by Facebook? They would have been competitors. So they would have had to innovate. And keep producing new technology okay. to compete this with a good. giant company. So what happens now is that these giant, the behemoths, they actually just buy other companies. And right now the corporations are bigger than they have. They're, they're absolutely massive, these companies. I like this point. Okay, so let's go to different industries. Let's go to the airlines industry. 10 years ago, the top four U.S. airlines collected 41% of the industry revenue. And in 2018, it was 70%. So 95% of routes between cities have so, this is pre-corona, obviously, have so few competitors that there are lawsuits investigating whether there's like um, price matching, stuff like that going on. They're in cahoots. Yeah. Uh, there's collusion happening. Okay. And so the airline industry is basically stalled so its progress. It has basically, it is merged into four different companies that own all the airlines. Yeah. And all the routes. This is a great point. So what what is the uh, the incentive for those companies to develop faster airlines or to develop new routes. There's none because as we know from experience, a new company that comes on the scene, that's like, we're going to just, we're going to change the scene. They, it doesn't work because they just get absolutely destroyed by the huge companies. Right. You just and, don't have any power. And if you think that these companies don't talk to each other, that's just absurd. 
these companies are in they they know each other they have relationships with with everyone of in the course. other in their competitors because it's a huge advantage to do that right okay so the beer industry currently there's currently now there's two companies that all that hold 71 percent of the national beer market you know what they are uh, anheuser-busch got it okay oh, i think you can get this one damn it i'm not gonna get this one that's frustrating Think about what he's drinking in Cobra Kai. Of course, Kai. Miller. I was gonna say Miller or Coors. Miller Coors. Yeah. So Anheuser Busch is like Budweiser and Corona. I was gonna say that. And you got it. You got it. I'll oh, give it to I you. Didn't really Points. get it. Uh, Miller Coors merged with Sab Miller recently, and when they did that, the price of Budweiser and Miller both skyrocketed. So it's just another example of a few companies cornering a market and making it impossible for an upstart to compete. Not through ingenuity, not through new technology. That market. was being developed, but just because they're huge, huge size. They're not making anything new. They're just soaking up all the people that might make something cool. Right. Okay. So some more studies before we move on. And so this is killing progress. This is killing progress. That's my argument. And because it's killing progress, we will not get to the computing power we need to the make. The consolidation to make, to make simulations. of industry is killing technological and progress. And while we're talking about this is that if it kills progress, we will not get to this to the step we need to make a simulation. Right. If we okay. kill technological progress, we're not going to go anywhere. Okay. Okay. So in 2017, the U.S. economic census found a similar trend of concentration across industries from dog food to batteries and credit cards. So everything, this is happening in every industry. Also in 2017, analysis done by NYU concluded that investments in these industries were very weak in regards to profitability. So there's no money coming into the machine to make something new. Instead, you know, when the famous entrepreneurial story uh, about a perfect pitch, like when you go to pitch your company, you what you want is basically a machine that you put in a nickel and out comes a dime. That's like the perfect company to pitch. Well, yeah. Right? And that you have the patent for it and no one else has. Yeah. Okay, so that's what companies are doing is that they're just putting in nickels and taking out dimes. They're not making any kind of new money machine. And this is backed up by studies done that track investments in these companies. Okay. They're just set up to run the machine and make profit. Not, oh, oh okay. Okay. So I think that because if your company is profitable, it generally means that you're not doing R&D to try and grow it. Right. Think because about, that's the point where you're just trying to make money. Think about the startup. Startup unicorns are the exact opposite, right? They are just trying to do some crazy shit to jack up the valuation, not turn a profit so they can sell it. Okay. So these, so basically the rise of huge roll-up, it's called a roll-up company when a company buys a bunch of small companies. These mm -hmm. huge roll-up companies, Amazon, Google. Right. Right. They're basically killing innovation. They're killing innovation. Okay. Okay. So more evidence that progress has been slowing in the last 50 years does not have to do with corporations. We're done there. Yes, and your finger is up. Yeah, I, I think I think we forgot to touch on the reason that we're talking about like us to show this example is like we just use us as an example. If we can get to the technological standpoint to make a simulation, then it's likely that other that other beings have been able to, and therefore we might be a simulation. I didn't follow that one. Because it's like the reason that we're like we're looking at, at us, the human race, and if we're going to be able to get to the technological standpoint to be able to do a simulation. Mm -hmm. is because if it's likely that we will get to that point, it means that other beings have already gotten there. Who else could we look at? I, I, right. Well, right. I couldn't be talking not, about the beer industry on just, Jupiter. I'm just blowing up. I'm just blowing it back up <laughs> to the people. <laughs> okay. Um, the eye test. Sorry, just with, with what's happening with a naked eye. Okay. In 1927, let me tell you about a little man that you're going to love. Okay. His name is Charles Lindbergh. And before I get too into him, people who know about him, who think that he was kind of a Nazi. Okay. It's debated. 
He, he might have liked the Jews, might have not liked the Jews. He went to a concentration camp and said it was really sad. He never said he explicitly didn't like the Jews, but he kind of had some um, Anglo-centric kind of vibes. And Why do you say I was going to like this dude? Besides all of that, the possible Jew hating. Besides hating Jewish people. He didn't, he didn't hate Jewish people. It doesn't seem like it from the research that I did. Okay. Okay, that's my conclusion. He visited a concentration camp as not a prisoner? No, it's not after the war. And he was just like, this is, wow, oh, how would you justify the all this shit? After the war, he did. Okay, that was important. He Lead with that. He was of, of like, um, Aryan descent. Yes. So he kind of was, you know, it was tough. It's tough, the Charles Lindbergh thing. Also, his kid was kidnapped and murdered. And it was like one of the most famous kidnapping and murders in history, which is insane. So why is he thought that he didn't like Jews? Because he's just Aryan? He, he was of Aryan descent, and he would, during the war, he was against the U.S., Helping France and England. He was against us getting into the war. Okay. And people thought that's why he hated Jews. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Keep going. Okay. So Charles Lundberg. He did have huge cojones though. Jew hater. But if you're a Jew hater, you know, not good. Not good. It's <laughs> not, not a complicated. Not said, a great he, look. But here's what you do. You said <laughs> Tough you, one. you're really going to like this guy. You said first he hates Jews. Jews. He, first of all, he hates Jews. All right. Just keep Second going. One. Okay. So he was the first solo transatlantic flight for which he received the Medal of Honor. He did the first solo transatlantic flight from New York City to Paris. It's 33 and a half hour flight. Where do you think he the, used the John? That's the first question, right? Right in his chair. Right in his chair. He was he made a wicker chair. There was a giant hole in it. So when nature called, he would just went on his seat. <laughs> oh, that's real. He just pooped in his seat. It's literally real. Okay. He made a wicker chair that he would just when, poop and pee When he showed out. up in France, in Paris, the king asked him, uh, the king of France, I don't know why, what he did with it, the poop. When he told him it was just like he was pooping in like this aluminum container. Yeah. He was like, he just dropped it over the countryside. He just literally dropped it out of the plane. Because he didn't want to show up with a bag of poo. Yeah. No, I, like, how are you about to show up in Paris with like a bunch of poo in your plane? Right. First, you do transatlantic flight <laughs> and poops in a seat. Yeah. It's great. I would say I would say he had Jacques Cousteau, but I, you know, he's a Jew. He's a Jew. Yeah, yeah, so no, I, already don't I know. Like I him. wanted him I to be a Jacques like I wanted him to be Jacques Cousteau really level, like level balls that yeah. sunk the, the submarine. But he's he might be a Jew hater, so I don't know yeah, who we're gonna me, say about that to one. Give him the title, tough, the ultimate title. Tough beat for Charles Lindbergh. Okay. All right, so what he did is he he um, in 1927 he flew to his mentor's house. Who was his mentor? It was Orville Wright of the Wright brothers in Ohio. Okay, first of flight. Wow, for dinner, just flying in for dinner. Did he get his Jew hate on them too? So now I kind of don't like them. Now I don't like the Wright brothers. Either. <laughs> I don't like the Wright brothers. He like did he give it to them? He might have given them some Jew hate. <laughs> All right, uh, not good. Not a good look. Okay, in so that's 1927. In 1969, Neil Armstrong invited Lindbergh, who was his mentor. He got on fucking Armstrong, too? No. <laughs> He's shitting on everyone. No. He sucks. He invited his mentor to the launch of the NASA Saturn rocket. So that's how fast technology was, was changing. It was that whole section. That was the point. We went from not flying yep. to launching rockets in 40 years. Okay, so, so technology cool, time yeah. was really taking off. Right. That's um, why I think that we're going to get to simulation. That's why I think we're in a simulation. A lot of this innovation was spurred on by World War II and the Cold War and stuff like that. So that's what happened then. So here's now. The era between 1870 and 1970 is known as now as the special century because of the innovations in communication, agriculture, highways, air travel, sanitation, all the things that we take to be a part of modern life. And after that, we just made a phone that distracts everyone. Exactly. And perfect segue into what I'm getting into. The only home robot right now is what? iPhone. Phone. No, you mentioned it earlier. Roomba. Roomba. It's the Roomba. It was made in 18 years ago in 2002. It's still the only available home robot. 
That's crazy. Okay. Google Space Prize. Google offered $30 million in the early 2000s for a company to land a rover on the moon. It was disbanded in 2008 because no one could do it. 2018. Others. Have you ever heard of the self-driving car? When are we getting them? I'm so ready. People people yell at me for this when I, when I bring it up in conversation because they don't agree. I'm so ready for the self-driving car. Stop. Humans, humans, no more driving. I mean, the Tesla can kind of do it, right? Can drive I guess traffic, I, I, but it's not I like, wouldn't know. I wish everybody had a self-driving car. That'd be nice. That's what, no, I want to give everyone a self-driving car. Let's stop driving. Let's just stop dying on the uh, road. Have you ever heard of flying cars? Have you ever heard of augmented reality glasses? The Google okay. glasses. Have yes. you ever heard of gene ther- therapy? Have you ever heard of nuclear fusion? Yes. Stuff like that. How about nuclear fission? I'd settle for fission at this point. Where are we with those things? Where are we? We're nowhere practical. The point is that solving problems like these, like bringing electricity to rural communities in the 1950s, a giant problem back then, was solved with a huge investment of taxpayers' dollars and private market funds. And the only thing that I think might get us to that point right now is is climate change because it's a looming threat. It's like a war. And I I hope we get there with climate change, but we might. Clean energy, you mean? We might get to some real innovation in like I see from mean. climate because change. Because we have literally this existential threat. Yeah. So basically, like if you don't have a, some sort of threat or some reason to do something, it just doesn't happen. That's not how humans work. Hmm. My third example. So I, I really like this. So you're saying that basically and anything, a lot of cool things that we need to progress in, we've done absolute shit. We've done absolute shit. Great. Okay. Because there hasn't been really any good incentive. That's just the eye test of what happened there was a lot of technology up to 1970. And then after, since from 1970 to 2020, we haven't been living that differently. Is that, sure. is it, I just had this thought. Is that because we, so we're reading the Edward Snowden book and I now like it. One thing is like, he's, he's just like such, he's doing some amazing shit in the CIA. Even before, like he just does so much shit. Is it cause like we're lazy? Who? We specifically? Just like, you me know, like, you? like me, like instead of like, being like, we want to further nuclear physics and like really working hard to it. We'd rather just, you know, do a, a kind of make money, do a pocket, like do a podcast and live a better life. Like we are lazy or humans are I'm lazy? I'm talking about us in general. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm super lazy. Every, I'm extrapolating to everyone. No, I think it's definitely true. I'm super, super lazy. So, but it's if, actually a problem. Right. And if we, if we, because like, aren't we, part is it lazy to want to do things efficiently? But, yeah. but aren't we part of the problem? Because we should be like, I want to dedicate my life to trying to help us reach the country, reach these new goals. And instead, we're just like, I'm going I'm to make money the easiest way possible. That's not true. That's not true. You're not giving us enough credit. Okay. Okay. Give it to the me. The plan is first, first, you get the money, okay. right? Then you get the power. Okay. Then you can do the cool thing. Skipped one in there. What is it? The, the women. women. But the we women. women. Okay. Right. Anyway. Um, okay. My third point for what constitutes as evidence that progress has been slowing in the last 50 years is that it's happened before noah it's happened before technology has completely stopped the 15th century ming dynasty in china shut itself off from the world and only rejoined in the 19th century so it was over 400 years of progress being completely halted if 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 societies or people once again do not need to adapt they will not adapt and in that period of the dynasty in China, they had all the resources that they need. So they didn't need to trade with anyone or do anything. So they just shut everything down. In 1400 AD, the life of a Chinese peasant, it was the exact same as 1800 China. And the only reason they had to change was because of the West's continued domination. So Very they started to change. So we will not increase. 
Maybe not. It's not guaranteed that we don't increase technology. I like this. This is a contrarian standpoint. Right. And my last, my summary here, okay, moderator, is that all this research leads me to believe that the institutions that are in power, they don't want to give up that power. They want to keep everything the exact same. They don't want to change. Okay? And if the powerful continue to, to gain power, like the powerful get more powerful, like Facebook, right? Or their big companies or big countries, this decreases the likelihood of innovation or any progress being made. Yes, 100%. So Noah, mm. even really- if we do make progress, tell us, our advanced civilizations like ours going to destroy ourselves. Okay. I just want to say I really liked your contrarian view because m- most popular science would just would disagree, but I like I like how you laid that out there. It's interesting. Um, I do it for you. Okay, Adva- advanced civilizations do they destroy themselves? So first, we've talked about this in the alien episode. We're gonna talk about the Fermi paradox. Okay, what is the Fermi paradox? It's basically why can't we find any aliens? Okay, there should be alien. It should be fucking Star Wars out here. Okay, instead it instead it's it's the mo- yeah. Says the Mojave Desert. Where are they, Mulder? Okay. So why should we be finding aliens? Okay. So basically, there's this thing called a von Neumann probe. <laughs> Adam, you know, you <laughs> laugh. Sounds at like me. my Friday night. <laughs> sounds like my Friday night. <laughs> a von Neumann probe is basically a self-replicating robot that a race can send out to the stars, and it will self-replicate and bring back minerals and resources for them. The reason that these are so important for the Fermi paradox is because it's actually pretty, it's not very hard to make a von Neumann probe in the general time scale of things. You don't need to be a starship, star-faring race to make this thing, mm-hmm. right? It's not like we're like that far away from robots that can self-replicate that bring back minerals and resources for us. Okay. So why aren't we seeing any of those? Even if the civilizations were so spread apart, we should be seeing some damn von Neumann probes. And this and this states deposit that either a couple either one of two things are are happening, okay? Mm-hmm. One thing, races get to a certain point and they wipe themselves out. They that some some point of technology they just get they just get wiped out. Either yeah. that Yeah, go ahead, sorry. That is the reason that we're not seeing any aliens. Yeah, because so, they so wipe the, themselves the out. The Fermi paradox is like why the fuck aren't we seeing the aliens? And this is something that I'm stuck on. I'm stuck on this too. Because mathematically with that this much time and that many habitable planets there should be a species that we can see like at least their garbage yes of. thank you so with with thi- with this much time some planets are are billions of years ahead of us right and based on like the amount of earth-like planets that w- that we've seen the probability i remember from the aliens episode it's like one in five planets or something one in five stars has an earth-like planet in its solar system mm-hmm. based on the amount of those and based on how some of them are billions of years ahead of us, we should be seeing some damn life. Right. But we're not seeing anything. I'm stuck on this. This is I find this perplexing and scary. I really do. I, I'm, I'm, this is why I'm in a dark place. It's, it's because of this. It doesn't make any sense at all. When, when you think, And you can really logically lay this out even further, and it doesn't make sense. We should be seeing... We mathematically, should be seeing we should something. be seeing something. The, the heat waves, the radio waves, the whatever wave, the fucking... But that's such a stupid human way to think about it that... Okay. Another society would be as wasteful and as energy inefficient as we are. Okay, but you can think that another society would still need to collect resources and live in it. There are some laws of the universe. There are laws of the universe that they would still have to abide by. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
they would still want to send out these self-replicating probes, or they would still they would still give off heat. Their scientists would still give off heat as energy. You know what? When when we do see one of those probes and we quickly get evaporated, vaporized, right before we get vaporized, I am gonna point you to this podcast. And we're gonna have a listen to when you thought it'd be a good idea to be found by aliens. No, I and don't. Then in spite, no, we will no, get no, vaporized. No, no, no. And in nope. the afterlife, okay. and that brings me to the next I will point. haunt you. L- listen to me. That yeah. brings me to the next point. Um, so either the aliens are all killing themselves. Let me list a couple ways you can kill yourself, please. Okay, let me let me list one: a superbug virus. Okay, that sounds real bad right now. Nuclear war, terrorism, global warming, asteroid, nanotechnology weapons, AI, high energy physics experiments. You get it. There's a lot of ways for us to kill ourselves. Here's what I'm really scared of. Yeah. Okay. I'm really scared that like at some point in technology. So if you've read the uh, three body problem series, this is basically what happens in there. I'm really scared that at some point of technology, like we learn how to harness a black hole or something. Okay. And once we learn how to harness a black hole, it like sends some kind of signal out to some race deep in the universe. And they're just like, all right. And then they just send a bomb. They just literally every single race that that gets right. gets every race that gets a certain point in technology, they feel like it's too big of a threat for them, and they just blow them up. They, oh, like the master race, the zookeeper. It's like yeah, the zookeeper e- thing, exactly. The zookeeper. Theory. So there's a master race out there that just anytime someone gets to be like in threat level, they right. just boom. So exterminate. There's, a, there's a master race out there that's deep in the universe, hidden. Okay, when you get to a certain technological level, like harnessing a black hole, they're you know looking for that kind of signal. Question. Do you get to collect on your 401k if that happens? <laughs> are you are you 69 and a half? 59 are you 59 and a half? No. Therefore no. <laughs> Therefore no. <laughs> the government no. laws they'll never change it. Perfect. All right. So, um again, I'm stuck on the Fermi paradox cuz it makes no sense why we're not seeing any races. Got it. Okay? I'm going to talk about the Nick Bostrom essay one more time. Okay? Cuz he says one of these three things it has to be true. We will either eliminate ourselves before becoming powerful enough to make a simulation. Okay. Number two, once beings get to the stage to make a simulation, they don't care to make it. And number three, if those two things are true, we are almost certainly in a sim- in a simulation. Oh, right. sorry. If those two things are false, we are almost certainly in a simulation then. I don't like it. Because we're not seeing anything else out Where there. Where is it? It's like literally a graveyard. It should be Star Wars. It should be the canteen. <laughs> it should be Tatooine. It should be Moss Eisley Cantina. It should be Tatooine. We should be in Tatooine right now. <laughs> We should be tattooing, but we're not, and it's really, really scary. This halftime, honey, goes to the island of Tristan de Cunha, okay? who announced recently that 270,000 square miles of its territorial waters will now be designated as a marine sanctuary and will be a no-take zone for fishing. Yeah, baby! 270,000 square miles, okay? So I raise my glass to the Tristan de Cunha Island. Tristan Dacuna, this is this is to you. Although you're simulated, I can't believe we're taking do. this, honey. Thank you. I'm for so excited for this, honey. Clank. and reach. Are you La- excited about this? I'm really excited. La Chaim. Okay. La Chaim. Power of Christ compels you. Oh, mm. at first it's a bite, Woo. and then the second is All just right. is just sweet sweet sugar. That was so fucking good. And then I get a little honey. Oh, oh, oh. And then in 10 sorry. minutes, I feel a little buzz. Huh. It's like a constant stream of pleasure across my neurons. It's so fucking good. Can, can, I give my, can I give my response? Uh, I just want a little bit more uh, Tristan de Cunha, which you're going to really like. Okay. Is it is, it's the most remote island in the entire world. It's a seven-day oh. seven boat ride from Cape Town, South Africa. 
Holy shit. Yeah. It's between South Africa and Brazil. And it's like literally right in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It was one of those things. Remember I mentioned it before. I was like, it's off the coast of South Africa. And I was like, I looked it up. And I was like, you know, yeah. it's not. No. It's in the yeah. middle of the Atlantic yeah, Ocean. Article, it's like off the coast of South Africa. It's like, nope, no, <laughs> no, it's no, not. No. It's in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That is so okay. cool. 250 people live there right now of mixed descent from African and European can they make countries. A soccer, can they make a soccer team of 11 people that will beat the U.S. national team? If you need to join a national team, go to Tristan oh Cunha. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Let's go on a national team. The island also helped to discover that asthma was genetic because about 50% of the population there are asthmatic. So <laughs> so interesting. Right. Um, just the last thing before you respond because sure. it's super cool. It's a big deal because they make most of their money selling luxury crayfish that they fish for in their waters. So now they're not going to be able to sell their luxury crayfish. Oh, shit. Yeah. They're going to have to go. They're, they're going to have to go. They got to go outside to the marine sanctuary. Okay, that's so, cool. So it was a... Um, you know they sacrificed to give up to give up some things. Two hundred seventy thousand square miles of ocean now protected. So good okay. on them. Let me say that's yeah. awesome. Is that and and that's probably bigger than the island itself. Oh yeah, I'm guessing What's probably two hundred seventy thousand okay, yeah. square yes, miles. Yes, okay, probably way fucking bigger. The island is I think that's fucking awesome. Miles. This tiny little country, their whole economy is based on it, but they still want to protect it. Good on them. We fucking love you. Awesome. We're gonna go join your national team too. Um, yeah, this is such a cool place. Their most remote island in the world. Adam. Yes. Let's get back to it. Right, let's get back, get back to, to the it. darkness. Okay. One of the things that Nick Bostrom says, his second rule, is that super advanced civilizations, when they get to that point, that they even want to run a simulation in the first place. So tell us, do they want to run a simulation? Um, yeah. This is a pretty easy section. Okay. Like you were saying before. I thought so. The list Thank of you. simulation games out there. I'll just go through a couple of them that I have played. Goat Simulator. Sim Ant. The Sims. Second Life. I have not played Second Life, okay? Not, I'm not judging, but I just haven't played it. Football Manager, Stardew Valley, Space right. Colony, Thank you. Sim City, Flight Simulator. This thing sounds tight. Port Royal 4, which is a Pirate Caribbean simulator with merchant trading. Okay. okay. Into that after the Pirate. In the reviews, episode. they say that there's too many menus. But for me, that I'm just licking my lips. That means like, that, that you're going to like it awesome. even more. Tedious menus. Perfect That's what you like. for me. Um, so I think it's pretty easy to say for me that someone somewhere in this advanced civilization wants to run, will want to run a simulation. Just think about what we're going through right now. COVID-19, the Trump presidency, global warming coming down on us. I mean, it's, it would be a pretty interesting simulation to run because of all the different forces out there. I totally agree. And then, and you realize that because this is definitely true, obviously they're still going to run simulations. Then it brings us to to two out of the three, three three things that Nick Bostrom said. Okay, either we will eliminate ourselves before becoming powerful enough to make a simulation, or we'll, we're eliminated. Or number two, we are almost certainly in a simulation because of the probability of a simulation. I can't believe the honey's over. That sucks. It's just like my whole day I is want, down. I, I, I want another, but <sighs> to yourself. So anyway, do, pour, do, can you pour pour me a little bit? Just please pour me a little bit. How fucking good is it? I just want a little bit in here to sip on. You want to take a shot at the end of the episode? I just want a little bit to sip on as we as we continue. There you go. Thank you. God, is it good? It's fucking dank. One it's shot leads dang. to two, leads to bong rips later, leads, leads to, to no bong rips later, leads done. to no morning done. ever, ever, ever. Morning. All right. Anyway, hey. Um. Yeah. So that's that's basically it for that section. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that they would want to Wait. run simulations. 
Unless they're like a completely different style of consciousness that we could not even conceive of. Right. Yes. I think the important thing with that section is that you're eliminating one out of the three things that Nick Bostrom says must be true. Okay. So if you eliminate that one, then there's two things. One of, the, one of these has to be true. We will either eliminate ourselves before becoming powerful enough to make a simulation or we are eliminated by something. Okay. And you can see this by the Fermi paradox. Where the fuck are the aliens? They're nowhere. Okay. Or number two. We are almost certainly in a simulation. Which one would you rather have? Well, the one that's not in there is that if it's even possible to do it. The simulation? Yeah. That's what we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think that it is. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yep. I mean, if you believe, if you believe it, there's, there's criticism of his paper, obviously. You know, he's an academic. But yeah, you're right. There's only two left there. So Noah, if there are a lot of simulations, you are probably inside one, right? You're probably inside one, and the reason for that is because one real being, again, one real being can set off a chain reaction where they make a simulation, then the simulated thing they make makes its own simulation, and so on. So one real being can create a nesting doll of like a gajillion simulations, and that's why the probability is if we can make simulations, you're probably in one. We're probably in one. Right, because there's probably billions and billions and billions of them nested inside of each other. You know, they use the example of a virtual machine. Right, mm-hmm. going into a server from your computer that goes into another server. Like when I worked at a banking company, there was a server that we had to virt- we had to remote desktop into, and then from that server we had to get to the client server that was running the application. So we were three deep. So it was really hard to tell what where oh you were God. in in the file you did, structure. Are you just like test shit in that environment. Yes. So you match how slow it That's was running. Fucking impossible. Right. No. Absolutely impossible. Did you say that? Of course. It was a, it's a fucking giant company. Would they care what I have to say? They cared nothing what I had to say. It was yeah. just a little minion. It's fucking crazy. Okay, but, but when you're three deep, I mean, it's possible right now to do that. That's what I'm trying to say. Cool. That was the point of that anecdote. Yeah. Good. I like that. Yeah. Introduce my section. Um, so, Noah, what are some modern methods of proving this or disproving this theory? Okay. So, I also named this Errors in the Matrix. Yeah, okay. glitches. Deja, you have deja glitches, vu in here? Deja. So basically, here's the thing. In any software program, if you look hard enough, you can find errors. So what? So it's like if we are just in a program ourselves, if we are just artificial intelligence, where are the errors in our reality? Okay, so let's talk about rendering first. Let's get an understanding of rendering. Many video games, basically, like the way that they're able to use huge maps in Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty or whatever, is that actually they don't, Render the whole thing. They just render the part that you yourself are looking at. Schrodinger's cat. Is that Schrodinger's cat? Yeah. So basically, in other words, like if we're in a simulation and I take and I take an apple and I cut open the apple, well, the only time the inside of that apple is actually rendered to save on processing power is when I'm literally looking at it. Exactly. Otherwise, it's known as lazy loading in the web if you're doing okay. web development. So scientists think that we should be able to see some of this rendering. Okay. Uh-huh. And there is, cool. we might be seeing it. Very cool. We might okay, be seeing it. I like it. this. I like okay. this. So if you're not familiar with this part of quantum mechanics, it is it is going to be weird. It's going to blow your mind a little bit. Right. Because we I, are so familiar with it. <laughs> when I, because we are experts at it. When I, when I first uh, heard it, I had to listen re back to the, to the podcast. I, listened, I heard it on like five times. Okay. So basically there's this thing that's happening in quantum mechanics. 
an electron or what first of all what is quantum mechanics it's it's the study of subatomic particles that make up the universe so it's the study of the very fabric of the universe an electron exists as a wave and solid particle okay and it has many different probabilities of where that electron will go at any one time so basically, so basically it is it exists in this medium state that it might go anywhere and you don't know where it's going to go the particle the particle the electron specifically Okay, it might go anywhere. Only when you observe the electron, so only when someone or something looks at an electron, does it pick one of the probabilities and what's in, and do what's called collapse and then goes to a specific location. Okay, so what's crazy about this is that you observing the electron completely changes it. It's reacting to you observing it, just you looking at it. Can you tell us a little more about that? Maybe a study that's been done. Yeah, so first, so how the hell does this happen? Mm-hmm. Let me be honest with you. What you're saying is that by looking at a particle, it changes its behavior. By looking at a particle, it's reacting to basically being viewed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is somehow a particle of the universe is reacting to being looked at. That is really disturbing shit. Yeah, and so yeah. Remember, remember when we just talked about rendering? Right. Now, now think about this. This thing is reacting to being looked at. Okay. It's real fucking crazy. So please tell us. Okay, so how the hell does this happen? Well, at the moment, Adam, there really isn't a great explanation. No. I mean, but that's the fucking answer, to be honest. Yeah, but the problem is a lot of things in physics can be explained better this way. All right. Well, here is the consensus that science has gotten to. Besides the consensus that there isn't an answer at the moment, consciousness somehow determines the collapse of the electron particle into reality. So in other words, basically, your consciousness, when it looks at the electron, it's time for the simulation to start rendering. Okay, that's one explanation for it. <laughs> the, the, the rendering part is not the explanation, but it does seem like the electron is reacting to your consciousness somehow. Right. So the studies he's referencing are that he, there's no other variable that they have changed other than a person looking at the particle in question, and that changes the particle's movement just looking at it. So why could that be? Could it be explained by the rendering like you're talking about, right? Right. Or is it just like some part of our brain that's changing it? Like the, okay, so there's the reality, right? Then there's the way our brain perceives that reality. So could that actually be the key to it? Hmm. Right. I mean, because like your dog, right? Or like gold fish, fish can see ultraviolet light. We cannot, right? So their reality is painted differently than ours. So when we look at the particle, is it moving because it's actually moving in reality or is it moving because we perceive it differently? Does it matter? I don't think that I don't think it matters. I don't think either way either way matters. What what I see, what I see is that we're looking at it, it's moving. Yep. It's rendering, baby. Okay, it's getting ready to show us the inside of the apple. Okay. The simulation. Anyway, okay, something else. Cosmic rays. Silas Bean, a nuclear physicist at the University of Washington in Seattle, okay, he posits that if we're in a simula- simulation, we should be able to see the pixels. So basically, if we zoom in close enough, you know when you zoom into a photo close enough and you see the pixels? Right. Well, that's like what the, the it's called a lattice, like a lattice network. Mm-hmm. And it's like the grid that the simulation is built on. 
And Silas is saying that if we zoom in close enough, we should be able to see the grid that our, our simulation is built on. The scaffolding of our simulation. The scaffolding, if you will. Is okay? it, is, how much like closer is that than an atom? Like, What is the scale of that? Very good. Okay. So, so to do this, he's looking at cosmic rays. His thing, too, is that even if we get close enough, even if we get close enough to the smallest particle, we should see errors. We should start seeing shit go on. We start seeing coarseness, right? You zoom into the photo, yeah. you start to lose face, you start to see like a mold of colors. What if, what if you become completely obsessed with this and then you just lock yourself in your room? Three months later, you have a giant beard, pizza boxes, Monopoly, and just you in a room trying to figure this stuff out. <laughs> and you become the next Isaac Newton. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, honestly, the Fermi paradox bothers me enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not far away from that. Okay. So he's looking at these cosmic rays. Here's the here's the deal with these cosmic rays. Okay. As the cosmic rays fly across the universe, they lose energy and they change direction. They spread out. Right. As ener- you know, entropy. Right. It all. Maybe it's the other word for it. But as energy goes across the universe, it loses its energy. So you can, you can watch as these cosmic rays fly everywhere. Here's the crazy thing. There's a mysterious cliff in the cosmic rays. So basically, they're losing energy like like consistently, consistently, consistently. And then all of a sudden, boom, they drop off a cliff. Right? And so he's like, why is this cliff happening? And the reason he posits is that the cliff, when they're like going consistently across the universe, and then they lose like... They lose all their energy. Mm-hmm. He posits that that is the limit of the simulation because there's no friction in space, is what he's saying. No, he no, he's saying that like basically like that's the limit of the rendering. Like like it's it's done. It's done rendering at that point. Uh huh. When the cosmic rays hit that had that invisible wall of render, they lose all their energy. Okay, but I I don't love it because you can explain anything that we haven't figured out in physics as being part of the simulation. That just seems kind of lazy to me. Okay, but then you would say that quantum mechanics is lazy too because we haven't figured that out as well. But just because we haven't proved something doesn't mean that it's part of a simulation. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I'm just telling you what scientists are now looking into as possibly being able to see the errors in the matrix. Okay. Yeah. They yeah, have have cool. they found have they found a good answer? No. Is there a two hour two hour YouTube video of Silas Bean trying to explain it? Yes. Does it make any sense to a normal person? No. Do you have anything about deja vu? I'm really interested in that. Oh fuck! Do you not? No, I don't. I get deja vu all the time. Damn, oh, that's a good one. That is a weird one to me. That that's where that's the, the one where I'm like, that's now, a fucking now, glitch. Now, now I'm mad because with your consciousness, you're like, I've seen this before, but you can't put your mind. I get on that it. all the fucking time. You're like, where have I seen this cat before? I that have, to me is like the weirdest one. I get like, that what all is the that time. Sensation? So it so it's like a parallel universe, right? How is that sensation helping us? Um, you know. Helping our survivability. I can't put my finger on okay, it. Okay, I'm going to jump into a theory that I couldn't really understand did you, and did you too much research on. So like but the entire podcast. So like the entire, but basically the parallel universe theory, some some scientists posit that actually your future self is passing back information to yourself now. We're going to move on because I didn't research Holy that. Holy shit, that monkey balls. All right. You ready for open kimono? Yeah, let's just go to open kimono.
Lovely, lovely, lovely. God damn, is that good? God damn. You don't even need a simulation to know that, that is some good shit it's right some there. Some good shit. Why don't All you right. start out with open kimono? You want me to start? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give just my conclusion on what I think about if we are in a simulation. Yeah, please do. Okay. <laughs> wrap it up nicely for us. I'm going to wrap it up nicely. I'm going to stretch out first. Okay. So, in another paper by The Godfather, Nick Opsterman, okay, he says that he hopes we don't find life on Mars. Okay, and then so it's like, why? Why do you hope we don't find life on Mars? What he means basically is that when we get to Mars and drill down into the ice, that we don't find little critters. Why is that? Okay, here's the reason he's real scared to find life on Mars. If we do find life on Mars, it means that in our solar system, just in our solar system, life has occurred randomly twice. Okay, and that means that the probability of life is insane. Basically everywhere. So if we find life on Mars... It basically proves the fact that it is even weirder that we are not finding any races anywhere and that we're not living in Star Wars. Okay? Solid point. So, we find life on Mars. Like, we'll have, you know, it'll be a celebration, but also it'll be like, okay, now we know that we're really fucked. (laughs) Okay? So, this stands to posit, basically, and we talked about this before, that... Obviously, the aliens in the future will want to run a simulation. So if they want to run a simulation, a super being, then we are either one, the wipeout period of our race, of our race is coming up, and that's why we see no other races, either if that's self-destructive or if that's literally a, the zookeeper alien sending a bomb, or our simulators didn't want to make a good version of the game with cool species to interact with. Uh, so, fuck them. So they that. made a ba- So we're living in the fucking beta version. We're living in beta version of Earth Earth 1.0, which sucks. Certainly feels okay, like it. Okay, so personally, I kind of think that uh, it's number one that our race is coming to some kind of die-off point either by self or by the zookeeper aliens, unfortunately. That's my conclusion from this. What is the other alternative to that? The other alternative is that actually the technology is impossible. Oh. Right, like what you but said. That he says, right? But what if there's another way? What if there's like... What if it's all good and we just conquer some planets and we get better? Well, but if but using logic, number one, you'll see that pro- probability-wise, if you can make a simulation... Yeah, but he's using logic based on the science that we have right now, right? Which is in its infancy of studying the studying aliens at all or the existence of alien life, right? There could be, there's, could be many other right. options that we're not You can say that, about. but however, from the things that we know right now with the laws of the universe... Yeah. There should be aliens, and there's not. And it's weird. Okay. You cannot discount that. Okay. For my open kimono, I just want to touch on something that we haven't touched on a lot in the podcast, and that's that if this really matters. Does it matter if you're living in a simulation? Does it not matter? To me, it still doesn't change much. Okay? You still try to wake up. You try to further your consciousness every day. So that maybe we'll be able to discover if we are or if we are not, or maybe we'll have the technology to do it in the first place. So I'm not sure if it changes much because even if we are in simulation, that means that that species that simulated us, they're also being simulated as well. It does. It does mean that. Okay. For sure. Almost for sure. And our nat- the nature of our reality is already absurd. Like I was saying. So why would like, it what the fuck are we doing here anyway? So why does it matter? Good point. But what, what do you think about the answer to are we in a simulation? Tell the people. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know. I hope we figure more. By the way, like Nick Bostrom is not a physicist. He's he's a philosopher. 
trained as a philosopher. He is a philosopher. Right? So with all these philosophical problems, they're unanswerable problems. And when they talk about making progress on a philosophical problem, what does that mean? Like, why do people study philosophy? It just means that you're, you are putting the question into a new light. You get more information. And I hope that as we go along, we get more information. We can put this into sort of a new, a new frame. I will, yeah, that being said, though, there are, you know, people that are really smart that do think that we are in a simulation. Namely, you know, Elon Musk, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think that we, I mean, I guess, I think that we probably are. But is that simulation, that simulation is reality enough for me, I think is what I'm trying to say. That's cool. Yeah. Um, shout out to Sarah and her boyfriends. Shout out None of them always. were aliens. I don't believe. Okay. Shout out to the simulated Jack Dan- Daniels, Tennessee honey. My God. God damn. Just the simulation of God my brain. Damn, that's a good simulation. Living. Shout out to all of our friends. I wish our, I wish our Jack Daniels kind of was simulated to be cheaper as long, along with our chai. Yeah, yeah. Fucking aliens in this simulation. Could you have made Jack Daniels just cheaper? We right? appreciate that. Okay. Guys, we love you. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great Thanksgiving. We simulated Thanksgiving with we'll your simulated you turkey and your simulated shit. We'll see you in a few weeks because although we might be simulated, the following of this podcast is real. Enough. Real in the simulation. In the simulation. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.